Hey there, humanoids. This is David Shoemaker here with a very exciting announcement. Your favorite wrestling podcast feed, The Ringer Wrestling Show, is now going daily. And you can hang out with me and Kaz on Mondays and Thursdays for The Masked Man Show. And you can join me, Peter Rosenberg, alongside stack guy Greg and Dip every Tuesday with Cheap Heat. And on Fridays, I'll welcome a friend or special guest from the world of wrestling. And on Wednesdays, we have a very special new show called Wednesday Worldwide that you're going to want to check out. Pay-per-view reaction, one-of-a-kind interviews, fantasy booking, talking about bagels. That's what we do here on the Ringer Wrestling Show. Follow the show now on Spotify and do us a favor. Give us five stars. And do us another favor and uh, stay mage. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. to Trial by Content. It's the podcast where we force our favorite pop culture to compete in the Coliseum of Contentious Opinion so we can all decide what wins. Each week, your three humble hosts will debate a pop culture topic, set the specific rules, and rumble until a consensus is reached. Then, with input from you, the listener base, we'll smash together our nominations with yours and determine a final four-nominee poll that will enter Trial by Content and decide the true answer for all time. Hello, I'm Dave Gonzalez. Oh, hi. What a twist. I'm Jonah Robinson. <laughs> and I, and I know this is a, a big spoiler, remain Neil Miller. <laughs> well, if you don't like spoilers for movies, this might not be the episode for you because we're discussing the worst movie twist. You know what it means. Something unexpected happens, but it's not as cool as everyone involved in the movie thinks that it is. Sometimes it doesn't even make sense that it's the entire basis of the movie. If you haven't seen these films, we think we're saving you time. If you have, we're sorry. But before we spiral down the list of twists, we have to settle who from the former series Game of Thrones is having the best career currently. Joanna, how did we do? Currently? Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi. Um, and a shocking twist, <laughs> a shocking turn of events. It turns out that the guy who is currently starring in the biggest show currently airing um, won this poll. Listen, we might have made an error in that someone who probably should have had the category crown wound up in the poll. Uh, we have regrets, except I don't because I won by a lot. So here we go. <laughs> Neil in last place with 4% for Gwendolyn Christie. Justice I mean. for the tall blondes because our listener Sophia came in not that much higher with 5.8% for Anna Waddingham. Neil, what do you want to say about your fallen hero? Gwendolyn I mean, Christie. listen, I, I don't I don't mind that it's lonely here on Gwendolyn Christie Island where I am. <laughs> reigning king because I know that there are at least 300 and something people out there who agree with me at this point. 
great. Speaking of islands and <laughs> kings of realms, it's Aquaman himself, Jason Momoa, in third place with 20.2% of the vote. Dave, anything you want to say about your guy, Momoa? I, it's four times the percentage of the person directly below me. It just didn't get to your whopping 70% of the vote. <laughs> and speaking of a whopping 70% of the vote... He's the star of The Last of Us. He's the star of the upcoming Mandalorian season three. It is Pedro Pascal himself, like winning this poll by a ridiculous amount. So he got he got so many votes in this poll, just the sheer volume of them, that it's more than some polls that we've conducted in the past. Like the total number of votes. <laughs> Vote for Pedro is a uh, the joke that was running around our trial Slack. Also, I just want to say that like all of our social team. When we said that this is a poll, we're like, are you kidding? (laughs) (laughs) You guys do know this is supposed to be like actually debatable, right? (laughs) Anyway, that's where you're wrong. (laughs) I even said like when we were picking, I was like, wait, am I allowed to pick Pedro? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, "Okay." (laughs) so there we go. Anyway, we went from being nice to listeners to being nice to Joanna for for a week. Thanks, guys. Um, I don't think I'm going to win this week, and that's fine. All right, so this week we are talking about twists, and the reason we're talking about twists this week is because the daddy of twists himself, M. Night Shyamalan, has a new movie coming out February 3rd, Knock at the Cabin, and also a new season of his Apple TV Plus show, Servant. So it's like Shyamalan time. I think if you made him a shirt that said, I'm the twist daddy, he would wear it all (laughs) the time. Twist daddy. (laughs) Twist daddy, M. Night. And like the thing... (laughs) The thing about M. Night Shyamalan is, like, we have all as a culture been on a real journey with him, right? Because, like, he breaks out with some incredible films. Maybe have, like, some diminishing returns, according to people. Some people, Lady in the Water might be where you he lost you. Maybe it's one of the other movies we're going to talk about today. Um, he got a lot of people back with Split. Like, Split happened and we were like, what? Is M. Night back? <laughs> and then we're like, uh... And then old happened, and we were like, oh, maybe not. So, <laughs> glass. <laughs> glass. The, the, the twist was that he is not back. <laughs> um, so we're not going to talk about those specific properties. We're just going to like broadly talk about spoilers and twists and all that sort of stuff. We don't, we're not interested in spoiling any good movies today. So just so you know, and when we're going to talk about any good movies, which we will a couple times, we're not going to mention sort of like what the twisty premises. But um, Dave, do you want to go on any kind of rant that maybe Neil and I have heard before about spoilers and their role in our culture? Yeah. If spoilers super matter to you, this is my opinion. I'm going to let my co-hosts, uh, co-hosts co-sign if they wish. Uh, if if a movie has to be unknown for it to work, that is the equivalent of playing a loud noise during a jump scare. That is your body having a reaction that is not necessarily good storytelling a good twist and uh should be able you should be be able to know what it is going in and it shouldn't materially i think affect the entire story uh we started uh talking about uh the original game of thrones as it was airing and these two had read the books and i was like hey can can someone tell me what's going to happen and people on the internet were like no spoilers and I'm like, well, I feel like since it's been written about, someone should tell me what's going to happen because I want to know what the artistic decisions are between making a TV show and writing a series of novels that at the time was not finished. And right now, let me check, uh, still not finished. So <laughs> I He's think working on it. He's working on it. 
I think that spoilers are uh, something like uh, one of your tools in your critical case to help you judge uh, whether or not a uh, movie is actually good. Because I think a movie that you could know it back to front, you could have memorized lines, you could have watched it a ton of times on VHS, and it's going to hold up because the movie itself works as a film. Uh, I don't think that it necessarily extends to everything, which is why Joanna said uh, we're going to spoil some movies that we consider not good. You're going to have to trust us critically on that. And then the ones that we think we are good, we're just going to mention that there is a twist. If even that is too much of a spoiler for you, I think you're doing it wrong. But, you know, you do you and enjoy art. We just don't think that spoilers are harmful or really capable of spoiling anything. Uh, there's been some like neurological studies done uh, <laughs> that, you know, this is actually a way of not ruining your experience, but maybe tying you closer into whatever you're watching. I don't need to do that. I just feel it in my heart. Spoilers are fun. Like Joanna says here in the notes, co-sign that. <laughs> I think Neil wrote that. Um, Dave, <laughs> Dave really sort of, uh, you know. Uh, radicalized me on the spoiler front in the years that I worked with him. And I was like, I really got to full blown spoilers don't matter. Give me all the spoilers in advance. Then I started working at the ringer and -hmm. the listeners were like, we don't like that you do that. (laughs) (laughs) Like we don't like that you read all the spoilers in advance. And so I stopped doing it because I'm like, okay, well the listeners want me to go in clean and like give a sort of like more shocked and surprised, or I didn't see that coming sort of reaction. Uh, And, and I had to like actively tell Dave to stop sending me, spoilers and i was a little sad i'm sorry which is why this weekend when the closed (laughs) captioning track for ant-man and the wasp quantum media made its way onto the internet i had to enjoy that shit by myself sorry buddy (laughs) (sighs) but i still largely agree that like if a movie is ruined quote unquote by the reveal of a surprise twist that's not a very solid movie to begin with like that's sort oh, yeah. of how I believe. But we all believe, all of us very firmly believe, even though we hosted a podcast called Storm of Spoilers together, the three of us very firmly believe in the idea of like consensual spoiling, which is like, if you don't want to know a spoiler, I do not want to be the one responsible for putting that in front of you. Um, I try to tweet responsibly. I try to do all this sort of stuff like where it's like, if you've entered, like when I used to write, sorry, we're going to talk about movies in a second, but like when I used to write about... <laughs> Uh, stuff for Vanity Fair all the time. I'd always put this like massive spoiler gif on the top of the post because I'm just sort of like, once you go past this, you and I have made an agreement <laughs> that what we're going to talk about now, I'm not even just type spoiler warning. That's enough. I need a big blaring sign that says spoilers are coming. And you and I agree that that's okay, that that's what we're going to do here. So, um, but I did want to talk about like a big A twist, A surprise. What's the virtue of being surprised? A big twist that made Twist Daddy M. Night Shyamalan who it is and is famously one of the best <laughs> twists of all time. She's all that. But this is like, this is, this is a very famous twist, but this is also a good movie. So we're about to talk about a very famous twist from M. Night Shyamalan's <laughs> very most famous movie. That's as much of a spoiler warning I can give you. Here we go. Uh, I just want to hear your guys' experience uh, first time watching The Sixth Sense if you remember like where you were, how you saw it, how you felt. Let's start with Neil. Uh, well, this is a great example of what Dave was talking about, where it is the execution that matters. Because this movie came out in 1999. I was like getting my driver's license that year. I did not see The Sixth Sense until several years later on DVD. So that was plenty of time for me to have 
the the twist of the sixth sense thoroughly spoiled before actually seeing it. But then I watched the movie, kind of you know, in in my young desire to to see as many movies as possible, kind of expecting not to like it because I already knew the twist. And it it was one of the things that proved to me that it's it can still work, right? It doesn't matter that I know what is important about Bruce Willis's character throughout the movie. In fact, I generally would argue that a great twist, The Sixth Sense is a great twist, enriches your next viewing of the thing, right? It makes watching The Sixth Sense a second time even more enriching because you're looking for all the clues, all the hints. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it it still blew me away even though i 100% knew what was coming because i was in high school and when the sixth sense came out and let me tell you one thing that high schoolers don't care about uh movie spoilers and whether and movie spoiler <laughs> consent rules so uh you know it's it for me it's a really good example of it's the execution that matters you know dave what was your experience with sixth sense Oh, I mean, this is what, August 1999. So yeah. very specifically, I was against this movie going into it because I was trying to lure my <laughs> friends. You guys are so cool. Cooler <laughs> than cool. Both too cool for the Sixth Sense. Okay, go ahead. Well, the only reason why is I was trying to lure people into watching the Blair Witch Project, which had been wide released the week before only to learn that when I had seen it in our house theater, it was great. And then when I took people to it, it like the local AMC, they would get motion sickness. So I was a little bit salty that there was another horror movie coming to knock down my little uh, indie darling that I felt I had a personal experience with. Sat down for the sixth sense being like, okay, scare me movie. Movie didn't scare me. Going into the last third, I'm like, this is a waste of my time. This is about a little kid who sees ghosts. I think like this could be like a you know YA novel, and I could have just saved myself some time. Then the twist happened. I absolutely did not see it coming. It absolutely led me to buying the DVD when it came out the first week so I could get to the director's commentary so I could learn more about this movie and its twist, which brought me into how the movie uh, uses the color red to symbolize ghosts. And like Neil was talking about, uh, watching uh, with bated breath all the interactions between uh, who I knew now to be dead and uh, the living people uh, around it. And I think it really, the movie works incredibly well, uh, second time, third time, continuously. Uh, because of its uh, structure and the performances, which means it's kind of spoiler-proof. Uh, so I don't think any of my friends minded uh, when I like made a song once in high school called uh, Bruce Willis Was Dead All Along. And they were like, you can't just say that out loud. <laughs> and I'm like, sure I can. You were ahead of your time. You was. I was also in high school and it was summer. So my sister who was in college was home and her like friends from college were also home. And it was, just, that was a summer where like my friends and I went to movies like every Friday night, we would go to the movies. So I saw a six cents of opening night, Friday night. And then I dragged my sister and like her cool college friends like the next day. And then I think I dragged my parents on Sunday. I saw it three times opening weekend and oh, I took, wow. I took everyone because I like didn't want them to get spoiled. So I was like, come see this with me now. So that like, you know, you can enjoy this as it is. Let me be real coy about why, but like, come see this with me now. And like thinking about that is such a relic because <laughs> what I was worried about was word of mouth because the idea of like, 
it's going to be spoiled on Twitter for you was not a thing in 1999. So I was just worried, like, don't go to like the office on Monday or whatever. Like people are going to be talking about this. So we have this weekend, you know, to like get (laughs) to knock this out. Um, The clock is ticking. The clock is ticking. (laughs) And there is that like there is that enjoyment. And we saw this a lot with like red wedding videos around throws like that. The enjoyment of taking someone to something with a twist that you know what it is and they don't. And so you get to like sit there and you're like watching it the second time, as Neil said, looking for all the little clues where you're like, oh my God, Luffy Williams just like didn't even talk to him at dinner. Now I know why. <laughs> yeah. um, so you're like looking for the clues, but then you're also like watching your seatmates to be like for their gasp and they're like, whatever. So there, I mean, like I agree with Dave that like, spoilers and twists I have like a looser relationship with them than a lot of people do but there is that pleasure in like you know being being with someone who is surprised or being surprised yourself it's just not the end all be all I think we also wanted to before we get into our debate about worst twists talk about like some twists we actually love this is where we will not be even though one of these is very famous we will not be spoiling <laughs> 1999 tw- was a hell of a year Joanna <laughs> It's the height of twists. The twists of movies we actually love. I will go first and just say Arrival. Arrival, a masterpiece. One could argue there's a twist. I think it's, yeah, it's incredible. Okay, uh, Neil. Uh, well, I'm going with uh, one from 2015 from director Karen Kusama. It's called The Invitation. And it stars, you know, if you're if you're a big Game of Thrones fan, it's got Dario Naharis number two in there. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Michael Husman. Husman. <laughs> uh, re- just really great. I, this is one that I saw, I think, at a film festival. I can't remember if it was South By or Sundance, but I remember seeing this at a festival. No one really knew anything about it except we had seen a couple Karen Kusama movies at that point. And uh, it's it's got such a great twist. It does. I, I also saw that it. at a festival, and it was just Full like stop. I can't. The say Jennifer's more. Body lady made another movie, and then yeah, you right. walk out of that movie, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Oh, that was not Jennifer's Body. It um. was not. <laughs> Dave, please be very careful as you talk about this next film because it's a big secret. Listen, your- <laughs> I was 15 when Fight Club came out. I know you know what the twist is. I know you know that people have used that movie, uh, and unironically as missed its point and just uses an excuse to be toxic men and actually start fight clubs. I know, but it was another one of those things, uh, like I said to Joanna, 1999 was a hell of a drug for me. Uh, So it's like right on the cusp of DVDs too. So like Sixth Sense, Matrix, Fight Club were like three of my first like newly released DVDs. And they all had fantastic collections uh, to learn about movies with. Uh, and yeah, Fight Club also has some frame by frame stuff you could uh, check out once you realize there's a twist in the movie, so which hashtag, is at the end of the movie. So hashtag blessed summer of '99. <laughs> what, a, what a time! Um, and we also wasn't our best about- summer movie year though, right? Uh, right. What? <laughs> <laughs> we um, we did we did a podcast about that. Yeah, we did do. Okay, so movies so good we didn't mind about twist is something like as we were sort of like doing our pre-child dismissals and talking about things that almost made it. There were a couple movies where we were like, well, we kind of like that movie, even though we maybe can't necessarily defend the twist in it. Um, I'll go first and just say it's a film from 2020, um, from our pal Damon Lindelof wrote it. Craig Zobel, who did uh, Mare of Easttown, directed it, starring the incredible Betty Gilpin. It's called The Hunt. And it was delayed and released several times over because it has to do with, like, 
liberals and conservatives and a sort of like and then um, it, they were like maybe this will cool down yeah and, just and, and like gun violence and it just like never did in 2020 like the, the the heat just never came off enough so it, it got really fucked in its release but um i love that movie mostly i just love watching betty gilpin kick people so um <laughs> the hunt uh neil what's yours um man there's a lot of them but i'm, I'm gonna go with with Orphan from 2009. This is one that I think it, this one feels like it's on the line, right? Because it's a twist that folks really it's it's sort of out there in the culture. Um it's a widely discussed one and the movie is pretty good despite the fact that I'm I remember rolling my eyes when they get to this you're like, "Oh, okay. <laughs> there we go." Oh, I just um, remember I just remember what that reveal is. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Reference one of those where while it's happening, you're like, oh, all right. (laughs) Because the movie isn't over while it's happening. You're just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, But I would say shout out to, uh, shout out to Isabel Foreman, who's the, the plays the titular orphan, one of the great, I guess, child performances of all time, right up there with Haley Joel Osment in The Sixth Sense. Sometimes you need a really good performance as a kid. To you know, get a good twist out there. <laughs> Dave, what's yours? Mine so good, I don't is mind a, a recent one that you could watch on Netflix that I think is a very good uprising movie. It's not RRR. It is, which you know maybe has twists, but they're all good. Uh, this one's called Athena. It is about a uprising at a housing project uh, that is uh, centered around the killing of a young child and the police reaction to that. Uh, This movie is fantastic up until its literal last scene where it could have just ended, but it wants to shunt a little twist in there for you at the end uh, that I definitely think undercuts what the rest of the movie is doing so well. So unlike The Hunter, The Orphan, I think you could watch Athena and then just turn it off when you feel like you've reached the the climax. (laughs) Choose your own ending. And by that, I mean when to just stop. Yeah, be like, you know what? That's where I want Athena to end for me. And click. And I nope, nobody's going to begrudge you that. (laughs) All right. The last thing we want to talk about before we get to Neil's section of this podcast is... um, as we were going over all these twists and like, what are the bad twists? What are the good twists? Like there are some common threads that pop up, right? Like so-and-so was dead all, all along, or this was all in someone's head, or this was all a dream or whatever. Like those are very common ones. Um, and so the fact that those twists exist in some of our biggest movies means that fans get kind of excited sometimes and they try to like find twists that aren't there. But like sometimes those fan theories are so fun that they just live on in the culture. Um, so I will pick one, uh, which is Ferris Bueller's A Figment of Cameron's Imagination, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And there's like great argument for this, this whole idea that like Cameron, a sort of like shell-shocked, shut-in, sick boy, has an imaginary friend. It's very like, uh, never mind, I'm not going to reference that movie. It's, yeah, anyway, is, is Ferris Bueller a figment of Cameron Fry's imagination? You, I, I've been tempted at times to take it one step further and be like, not only is Ferris Bueller all in his head, but that is the same character from Succession. <laughs> with the rich dad. It's Connor Roy's teenage it's years. It's secretly Connor Roy's teenage years. 
and this is why his oh dad doesn't God. like him and he doesn't give him please, a kiss. Please uh, let Matthew, please let Matthew Broderick show up in Succession season yeah. four as Connor's <laughs> imaginary friend. I would love that. Uh, Dave, do you have a favorite one of these? Um, ooh, I mean, uh, I, I'll leave that one for Neil. I'm going to take Sith Jar Jar Binks, which <laughs> comes uh, with the fans... Uh, lukewarm reaction to the Star Wars prequels that have since become beloved. But there is a theory out there that uh, cannot necessarily be disproven within the actual text that Jar Jar Binks is a secret Sith Lord. He is absolutely involved in the rise of the <laughs> Galactic Empire. Uh, but it's we're supposed to think, at least in the prequels, it's sort of like an accident where what this theory proposes is what if he knew all the time because he was the he is the phantom menace sure. uh, secretly sit. a tier one operator exactly darth jar jar binks uh neil i think i know the one you're gonna choose but pick one yeah well th- this is a movie all about tier one operators uh this <laughs> yeah. is one of my all-time favorite ones which is the rock is secretly a james bond sequel and it's about sean connery's james bond after he got old this is another one that you kind of can't disprove in the text other than the fact that they say his name is john mason but i don't i don't buy that the government the james US bond government, is a code name we know that yeah, get out of here. Uh, so I love this one. I, I love that it's Nicolas Cage that that finally gets help helps him helps James Bond get his happy ending. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> All right, that brings us to Neil. Your section of this. Yes. Time to get into this debate. Well, first we should outline some rules. Uh, Your choice for worst movie twist must be a a plot twist of some kind from a feature film. Can't be from TV. So we're not going to talk about Game of Thrones. Uh, But it must be something that you think is the worst. So we will, of course, present ours, uh, picks and opening arguments, and then we'll debate some of your suggestions. We have a few awards to give away before we do too much of this though. Uh, first, a category crown. This one emerged in my research. I did not expect to be talking a lot about Christopher Nolan in this podcast, but I realized that Christopher Nolan actually has a pretty good record of pulling off twists. He's at least three for three in my book. There's, I think, maybe some twists in his other movies that could be a little bit more debatable, but when you look at Memento, The Prestige, and Interstellar sort of together, it's uh, it's a pretty good run for Christopher Nolan in finding a way to give us a twist that, again, enriches your next viewing of of his films, right? Um, so he's he's my category crown this week, Mister Nolan. Uh, he, oh yeah, the the one that we're not talking about is the Batman one, but you guys know why. <laughs> uh, <laughs> More Batman, less twists. Batman Absolutely. banned from the podcast. Batman banned from the podcast. We don't need to think about the twist in that one. Uh, all right. And then, so we also have a new segment we like to do called the toughest cut, which we each pick a candidate that we had to leave out of the debate. This is basically like second place. I will be happy to start with this one. Mine is Tim Burton's 2001 Planet of the Apes. This, honestly, when we get to my pick, you'll know why, but but this was really close for me because this is one that has been bothering me for multiple decades of my life. It's it, the worst kind of twist in this way that it, takes the original twist and tries to like one up it by being <laughs> actually it's a different planet of the <laughs> apes and then when he gets back to earth earth is a planet of the apes 
And, uh, you know, this, a recurring theme for me is sometimes it's the ones you love the most who cut you the deepest. And in 2001, (laughs) I was a huge Tim Burton fan. He had done a lot of really good stuff in the previously mentioned Batman realm that I was a big fan of. And this one, this one hurt. I was mad at Mark Wahlberg for years. And I don't even think it was remotely his fault. You can still be mad at Mark Wahlberg. I'm fine with that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. He did a hate crime once. It's fine. He did. He did. I guess that's true. Uh, all right, Joanna, what is what's what was your toughest cut this week? <laughs> so I'm so excited to talk about this. This might actually draw some people to watch this movie, I, I would guess, because it's ridiculous. Okay, so a trailer came out in the year 2020, um, where Emily Blunt, an English woman, Jamie Dornan, an Irish man. And Christopher Walken, an American man, all do different flavors of outrageous Irish. Yes, even Jamie Dornan, an Irishman, do (laughs) (laughs) laughably bad and weird diddly-eye potatoes Irish accents. Some like Lucky Charms commercials. (laughs) (laughs) There's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. All right. So, and it's all about how Emily Blunt and Jamie Dornan have been like in love, but not their whole lives. And Christopher Walken is narrating it in a truly atrocious Irish accent. (laughs) And so that was like, what the fuck enough, right? Idyllic Irish countryside. Why are these two insanely hot people, Jamie Dornan and Emily Blunt, who apparently are like social outcasts and loners and blah, blah. Why have they not found love, even though they live right next door to each other and are super hot their whole lives, et cetera. All of that, you're like, well, that's a that's a laughable premise, but sure, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then, and I believe it was Dave Gonzalez who informed me before I saw this movie of the premise. I'm about to steal, I'm about to spoil the movie Wild Mountain Time for you. 2020, Wild Mountain Time. <laughs> I now refer to this as the fucking B movie because it turns out that the reason these two hot people haven't been like fucking their whole lives is that Jamie Dornan's character believes he is a B, a literal B, a B. He thinks he's a bee. And at the end, she's like, that's okay. I accept that you're a bee. And they find happiness. And it's based on, I think it's based on a play. And I, like Dave telling me this premise is one of my favorite memories of my life. And then I did end up watching the movie when it came on streaming just because I was like so morbidly curious. And it's not like fun bad. It's just bad, bad. So really the most fun I ever had was when Dave Gonzalez is explaining the promise of Wild Mountain Time. He thinks he's a bee. He thinks he's a bee. I'm like, imagine Dave says that to you and you're like, but what do you mean by that? Like, what do you mean he thinks he's a bee? Exactly. Exactly what I said. Mean the words that come out of my mouth. <laughs> oh, Wild Mountain Time. Yeah, that's from John Patrick Shanley, a, a filmmaker that I love. And I'm like, what the fuck is this fucking B movie? All right. Well, what if beloved actress Emma Thompson wrote <laughs> a screenplay based on a Wham song? Why you would get <laughs> Last Christmas, the 2019 Balfig romantic comedy. Uh, who has, you know, our girl Amelia Clark in it. Not a lot of successful twists in Amelia Clark. It's very, very side-eyeing that, that she's going to be in something called uh, Secret Invasion for Marvel that has to do with, I imagine, <laughs> dozens of twists, but maybe she'll get it right this time. Uh, last Christmas, if you've uh, heard the song, it's uh, Last Christmas I Gave You My Heart. That is the plot of the movie as a person who's a recipient of a heart transplant meets the ghost of her donor, the very becomes, hot ghost. Yeah, 
sure. <laughs> and uh, they they have a relationship until she realizes uh, what it was actually happening. She was dating a ghost, uh, but that leads her to make positive changes in her life, including performing the song that is the titular song. So, Emma Thompson, maybe not the best screenwriter. I feel like, no, she is. She's a genius. She is an Oscar for Sense of Sensibility, one of the greatest movies of all time. Like, she is amazing. She's done, like, punch-ups on bat. Like, she's a Carrie Fisher level. But I, my theory is she got drunk one night and was like, <laughs> and someone do dared you think her. someone let, will let me do this? Let's do an experiment. Like they were drunk and this song I came on. I love this wham song. And they were like, what if we just made a movie where last Christmas he literally gave her his heart? <laughs> oh yeah, this is the kind of abuse of power I can get behind for Emma Thompson. Like if you're going to have power in this world, make silly movies. Yeah, make, make silly movies. I would have, you know, used this as my pick because it is ridiculous. Uh, but once I divined the twist from the song lyrics and checked with somebody who had seen it and learned that it was true did not seem interesting to me i'm not a christmas rom-com person uh but my uh partner who i live with is so it's definitely been on in my household i just haven't watched it all the way through <laughs> poor amelia clark it's poor really amelia clark um we okay so that those are our toughest cuts uh very close we have some nice try awards from our listeners this week a couple of fun ones we had one person write in uh, about the movie Contact with Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey. Um, I, too, am disappointed that we never really got to see the aliens, but, you know, I, that, that feels more like a long-form for, long plot like decision than yeah. a twist. Uh, similarly, uh, we did have someone writing about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and what was done to the character of Wanda. Again, I, honestly, that is that is a twist that exists o- across multiple media. <laughs> That you could be mad about. It feels like the prep, <laughs> the premise. You know, if you were that mad about it, it should have won our vote for being bad uh, instead of. So you know, you know I understand. We, we definitely had our chance on this podcast to uh, to make it. Hey, uh, <laughs> wait, Dave, I haven't had a chance to talk to you about this. Yeah, how do you, it was it was Dave's pick, right? Not Neil's. I, no, it was Neil. 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 How do you feel about one Anna de Armas getting nominated for Best Actress in Blonde, your most hated movie? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I will say this. I, like many people, dislike the Razzies because I think they're mean-spirited and unnecessary and there's a way to do worse things way better than that. But I do agree with all the nominations the Blonde got for the Razzies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the Razzies. They 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 had to clean their hands a little bit for nominating yeah, a child. Right? So they're getting Fools. what's coming to them. But no, Blonde was bad. Um, <laughs> does not deserve Oscars. Carlos has asked, does 10 Cloverfield Lane count? It definitely has a twist. I would say I, did, I didn't mind the twist. I almost feel like this one goes in the good movie where the twist doesn't make it bad. Which, even if you don't like the twist, I don't think it makes it a bad movie. Okay, Carlos clarified he likes the movie despite the twist. So that See, definitely, we could slot that in that category. Uh, we had 10 Cloverfield Lane would count. I guess the Cloverfield paradox would count as bad, uh, but that movie just doesn't make any sense. Uh, sure. That movie is such a hot bummer. Remember how like <laughs> oh, hype man. we were and like 
Anna DuVernay, like Ava DuVernay, like gets on. Sorry, I was on still in Anna de Armas mode. Ava DuVernay gets on Twitter. <laughs> is Super Bowl Sunday. She gets on Twitter and she's like, something crazy is coming. Get yeah. excited. And so then I was like assigned by, I had to like stay up. I had been on all day for the Super Bowl. I had to stay up after the Super Bowl and like watch this movie and write about it because this is big, like whatever. Oh, right, was, they released the movie. It's yeah, yeah. Surpri- Netflix. They surprise dropped a movie on Netflix and it sucked. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe we'll uh, go back to Cloverfield. It was so we'll never fine. Know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. So that brings us to some pretrial dismissals. We're going to do this a little bit differently this week. This is going to be a, a rapid fire spoiler section of contenders that you will not hear mentioned in the debate. We're going to spoil them in one sentence for you. Uh, and so these are all these are all ones that, that got close. And we'll start with the movie Serenity. This is a movie in which Matthew McConaughey uh, is uh, in a video game. Yes. Simple. McConaughey Spelt. is in the game. He's in so, the game. Uh, Joanna, do you want to start us off? Let's get yeah, some other ones Five here. words only, so I'm really going to test myself here. Don't worry, darling. I'm about to spoil the twist of Don't Worry, Darling. And it goes like this. Five words. Creepy, hairy, fucks, comatose, Florence. Cool. <laughs> Don't oh. worry, darling. That's... That's, oh man, that's an angle on the. That's not the angle I thought you were gonna take. Isn't that the premise of Don't Worry, Darling? Isn't that the twist of that movie? I mean, there's there's more, but sure, yes. So that's that's definitely for our main happened. character. Definitely, that happened. Okay, I have five words again for for a film called Safe Haven. This is a Nicholas Sparks joint. Um, Kobe Smolders. Dead wife ghost, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I've got Hancock, which is uh, Charlie's Theron, also superhero, <laughs> depowered. That one's hard because it goes in a lot of dumb directions, but that's close enough. That's all you need to know about Hancock. Hancock, half a good movie, <laughs> half a whatever. Um, all right, it's me again. Yeah, and I have a, I have source code, which is Jake's torso in a box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, Jake is just a torso. Also Jake works. is just a torso. Yeah, you're right. Jake is just a torso. <laughs> Jake is just a torso. <laughs> All right, I got Savages, which is the Blake Lively, Taylor Kitsch, Alan Taylor Johnson, Benicio Del Toro, John Travolta crime movie about pot dealers. Uh, but here we go. Uh, Thruple's death was her dream. <laughs> right. End of the Savages. One of those, it was all a dream endings. Identity is my next one. Ten strangers, one guy's personalities. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Ten, <laughs> ten strangers inside one dude. Yeah. Uh, all right. The life of David Gale. You're better at this than I am, Neil. Like, you should have done that right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Neil, uh, I thought you were going to do something. I didn't realize it was just Dave and me. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm letting you guys just go to it. This is this is great. <laughs> the life of David Gale uh, frames himself 
against death penalty. <laughs> Neil, do you have a better one? Neil Master yeah, yeah, this? Yeah. yeah, I mean, no, see, that one's a tough one because it's like frames himself for rape and murder. Activist, frame, activist frames himself and dies. <laughs> Just shit. Yeah. Uh, that also works. Uh, Oh man, tough one. Oh, oh, now we're at the end. I get to do signs, <laughs> which is great. We love signs. Uh, Dave, maybe we... not so much, but I love signs. No, no, no. I just think signs is like right on the edge because the the actual twist makes everything that the movie's saying much more complex for me, uh, which is uh, hydrophobic aliens invade. Water planet. <laughs> I like, I mean, A plus for working hydrophobic in there. I had to smoosh a whole bunch of plot into that. <laughs> yeah. Swing Defeat away. the aliens with Swing water. away, Meryl. <laughs> Swing away, Meryl. Dusty water. Movie. <laughs> Swing away, Meryl versus aliens. Signs. Man. Love it. Love it. Oh my God. Source, source code still makes me laugh. When I heard that one, source code is <laughs> It's just a torso. <laughs> By the way, there's something wrong with being a tor- just a torso. It's oh, just yeah, like no. that. That's what this movie is about. Is wrong, very wrong. Yeah, it's it. You really don't see it coming either. It's wild. Yeah, and it, it raises a whole bunch of implications about did he just overwrite a person's identity? Is he still in the simulation? Lots of questions about source code. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like. Can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. That's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable 
and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. I think that's going to bring us to our host debate where we get to bring our actual choices into this debate now that we've uh, clumsily spoiled bad movies for you. Uh, (laughs) It's time to fully spoil probably bad movies for you as they face off as to which is the worst. And Neil, Mm -hmm. on behalf of Gwendolyn Christie, I award you the first go. Yeah, Gwendolyn Christie, who didn't quite make it into the movie I'm about to talk about, but (laughs) almost. (laughs) I am here to spoil for you a Star Wars. A Star Wars film that, you know, it's. I mentioned Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes earlier and how that one's been bothering me for multiple decades. This one has been bothering me just as much for a much shorter amount of time. I am speaking, of course, of the twist at the end of The Rise of Skywalker. A 2019 film from, again, someone that I, whose work I have loved very dearly in my life, J.J. Abrams, who cut me very deeply with what they did to Ray. I, I think it's amplified for me. Uh, of course, the twist is that Ray uh, finds out in the midst of this movie that she is is not no one. She is in fact a forced nepo baby, Palpatine, <laughs> <laughs> and this, you know, and and then. <laughs> So here's all I'm saying. If you are a character in a Star Wars movie and your grandfather, who you've never met and famously has been dead for several decades, shows up and says, strike me down so that we can become one, you know that you're in the middle of one of the worst twists of all time. Because he's obviously going to to, to cheat you, to try and steal your power, the power from your boyfriend, and then you're going to have to become all the Jedi to defeat him. It's <laughs> all the Jedi. It is the worst. This is one that I wish would have made our fan things fans made up in their heads because this was a very prominent theory ever since it was clear that the first two movies of the sequel trilogy were very interested in Ray's parentage. They found the dumbest possible answer. And I think it's made all the worse that it's made more frustrating because there are things I like about even about the twist, I'm usually pro like chosen family versus blood heritage themes, right? Like go with the family you've chosen, save the world with the friends you made along the way. I love Adam Driver doing his little Han Solo shrug. That's great. John Williams <laughs> is there. We got a Lando ex machina. Lots of great stuff. But none of it can save the Star Wars franchise from this plot decision that I think, you know, it's hard to say right now that this movie was was so such a that there were so many bad decisions made in this movie that it killed Star Wars movies forever cuz you know we live in late stage capitalism Disney will make more Star Wars movies but it really made them look rudderless for a while with with big screen Star Wars experiences because it kind of proved to us that they learned all the wrong lessons from the previous film and uh, it makes me sad because it 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 has enter ushered in this era of Star Wars where it it just they can't get away from the Skywalkers. And I don't love it. I don't like <laughs> I didn't like the twist at the time. It gets worse every time I think about it. The end of the rise of Skywalker, she didn't have to be a Palpatine. We could have just hung out with Babu Frick and saved the universe. Oh, hey! But- <laughs> hey! <laughs> this was this came out during a time period where uh Joanna and I were still spoiler buddies. Yeah. Uh, and we got we got to go to the premiere of it, which is very nice. 
Uh, but I do remember before going to the premiere being like, here's what I think is going to happen. And it seems bad. And then watching the movie and being like, oh, God, it's happening. Just <laughs> I remember that feeling <laughs> very clearly. Uh, and then uh, the the bad thing about seeing uh, a movie at its premiere and it not being good is I had to see it like four other times with other people <laughs> in my life. Being like, all right, yeah, you, already, you, already, you, you already had your tickets for all the other yeah. screenings. Yeah, I'd be like, great. <laughs> now I'm going to see it in 4D. And, you know, the water is going to spray in my face. And uh, somehow Palpatine returned again. I oh. oh. This one, <laughs> I, it also really hurts because of the four times I had to see it. And uh, the timing of when it was released, it was like the last movie I saw in a theater for like over a year. <laughs> and I, which made uh, this weird, it puts it in a weird place in my mind where like, I know the pandemic happened, but also in my mind, I saw Rise of Skywalker and was like, well, that's it for movies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. There's also something very 2019 about pivoting from the theme that's in The Last Jedi, which is heroism can come from anywhere. The force yeah. is accessible oh to all of us to, if we just kill this one guy, <laughs> which <laughs> like, I can't think of a more 2019 thing. The most obnoxious zag of all time <laughs> yeah. in, a, in a movie trilogy. Like, I mean, I know that people, again, we're not here maybe to talk about the rise of Skywalker, but maybe we are, but like, um, <laughs> it's the way that people are like, well, Ryan Johnson zigged off of JJ Abrams. I'm like, no, that's one point. And then you go, let's say turn left to reach your next point when JJ meant to go right, but Ryan went left. Okay. We can still continue that arc in a believable, satisfying way. If JJ's like, okay, it wasn't my original plan, but I will arc off of you. No, JJ has to yank it all the way back to his <laughs> original plan, I guess, which is just like aggravating JJ. Why? No, I have baby. seen <laughs> Daisy Riz Ridley recently as of this year, start to make more sense about it. Cause for her, she's like, I see the power in both things. Like either, you know, you don't have to be born from anything, any sort of lineage in order to become great. But also there's a powerful message that like if your family were evil shit asses, you could become the exact opposite of that. And I see that, but she shouldn't be the one explaining that to me like three years after the movie came out. Like the movie should have done a better job trying to do that. But instead we get the gif of uh, Oscar, Oscar Isaac <laughs> somehow. saying somehow Palpatine returned. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Uh, uh, yeah. Good, well, I mean, good luck beating that one. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to try. We gave our category crown to a director who pulled off a movie called the prestige. It's Christopher Nolan. It's a movie about magic tricks that tells you the stages of the magic trick and then does a screenplay around that. And then at the end has a big reveal and you're like, oh my God, that was all great. They did a magic trick right in front of me, even though so they were good. telling me they were doing a magic trick. So I imagine director Louis Leterrier, who also has a screenplay credit on this movie, looked at that and was like, I could do that every 20 minutes. And we <laughs> string it together and we make a movie. It's just prestige after prestige after prestige. And where that actually ends is with the conclusion of the movie Now You See Me, which is about a group <laughs> of four magicians who are... Robin Hood magicians. They steal from the rich. They give to the poor. It is part of a secret magician society that is mostly a rumor called the Eye. 
that maybe has access to real magic. They don't. But maybe they do. Uh, (laughs) Most of this movie is uh, Mark Ruffalo as an FBI agent trying to chase down these four horsemen. He uh, brings in Morgan Freeman, who is a famous magic debunker. He's been debunking magic tricks and explaining their logic uh, for decades. And he thinks uh, that maybe Morgan Freeman will help uh, to capture the four horsemen. The movie moves to its climax in which the four horsemen are not captured, but Morgan Freeman is. And in his jail cell, he's like, I don't understand like, what is actually happening. How could they be two steps ahead of us? We're even working with the FBI. It's almost like there's a man inside and he turns around and Mark Ruffalo is gone because he's on the <laughs> other side of the bars. And he's like, hey, it was me. <laughs> And Morgan it was Freeman's me, like, Mark Ruffalo. It was me, Mark Ruffalo. And Morgan Freeman's like, what does that even mean? It was you. You're the FBI guy. It turns out Mark Ruffalo's dad was a magician who died trying to shore up his reputation <laughs> after being debunked by Morgan Freeman. And he has been running the four horsemen the entire time, meaning this movie is about Mark Ruffalo versus Mark Ruffalo to maybe catch Morgan Freeman, who has obviously been doing illegal things for a very long time. It is so dumb. And then at the end, there's a scene where he asks, you know, explain it to everybody uh, by welcoming welcoming the magicians into the eye, which has been real this whole time. Oh my god, guys, there's so many layers that I, if you're having trouble understanding what I've actually said, that is how hard it is to understand it as the movie's going on, which I'm convinced is their strategy. Like, imagine Ocean's Eleven, the movie, with the heist in Vegas, except that heist explainer sequence takes place 20 minutes into a two-hour movie. Where is it to go from there? You could only poke holes in every single thing. If at the end of Ocean's Eleven, Andy Garcia pulled a mask off and it was George Clooney underneath and you've just been watching <laughs> Danny Ocean be Danny Ocean yeah. the whole time and you're like, but why? But why? <laughs> why would you do this? Even if it was just the four horsemen being Robin Hood magicians, that would be fine. We wouldn't even need the Mark Ruffalo character. We could just watch that. We could watch the FBI be weird. But that's even secondary. The eye secondary the Robin Hooding secondary. This is all a revenge plot against Mark Ruff- between Mark Ruffalo and Morgan Freeman. Two side characters that are constantly behind the actual plot of the movie. It is incredibly frustrating and it invalidates the entire movie's reason to exist. Uh, it's, it's, it's a ch- man's chess game with himself. Do you want to uh, know the, what I think the real crime of Now You, now you See Me is? That the, the sequel's called Now You See Me Too? Yeah, <laughs> not Now You Don't. <laughs> Yeah, or and Now You real, See Me as well. Now You See Me too also has like a subtitle, which is Now You See Me colon the second act, but not Now You See Me colon Now You Don't. Like, why is Now yeah, You was, Don't not the name? It was right it was, there. It's just right there, John Chu. Why? <laughs> oh, my God. I will give the second Now You See Me some credit in that it like just embraces the stupidity to a level that the first one doesn't. Uh, I did rewatch Now You See Me to try to uh, make my plot summary better. Obviously didn't work. But I also rewatched <laughs> the Now You See Me 2 uh, card escape sequence where they're trying to set up a heist. 
and they have to pass a playing card amongst themselves while they're all being frisked, it is pretty fun. Uh, I wish Now You See Me had any sequence that lived up to that amount of fun because it doesn't. It's trying to prestige you so hard that ultimately (laughs) the conclusion is it has to be something that no one would possibly think would be possible because that's uh, that's the only thing that's left. This is like Westworld season two on when they're like, we got you with one twist. Now we're just going to garble any logic out of our show and we're going (laughs) to fool you again. Hate it. Too many twists. It's like one of those Russian nesting dolls of of prestige twists, but each one of them is just Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. Like, these all it's Mark Ruffalo. On, it's hat on a hat, but it's Mark <laughs> Ruffalo. <laughs> it's Mark Ruffalo wearing six Mark Ruffalo hats. Now you see me. Uh, all right, which brings us to Joanna Robinson. Oh, it's the return of Twist Daddy himself to the uh, debate. It's not the last time we will talk about Twist Daddy, but it is my time to talk about Twist Daddy. Um, When were you out on M. Night Shyamalan? Again, results may vary, but I think a lot of people went out on this one. And it it is a plot that will sound familiar to fans of the currently airing HBO series, The Last of Us, where we've got something creepy is happening. People are acting very oddly. Zoe Deschanel, sort of at the peak of like, it's cool to like Zoe Deschanel. Mark Wahlberg is also there. <laughs> they are on the run. Things are happening. John Leguizamo is there. For some reason, Kendall Roy is a soldier. I couldn't tell you why. Like all this stuff is happening. What's happening? What's happening? You know what the ha- what's happening in the happening? Plants are releasing toxins in order to induce, like, influence people to kill each other because they are choking the planet and are such an environmental threat. Um, And I just want to say that that premise, like, objectively blows that the antagonists are the plants. I, but I, although I, the plants are right, I just uh, sure and and like M Night's tr- Twist Daddy's trying to make some sort of environmental message. It's not his worst film. His worst film, as we all know, is Avatar. But there's no twist in that, so we're here to talk about that happening. Um, the twist in that is that he never saw the original <laughs> Avatar series. <laughs> it's pronounced Ong. It's it's what? <laughs> um, but. I am not a huge honest trailers person. Like, no offense. If that's something you love, that's great. But I have rewatched the honest trailer for the happening like so many times. And I show I will stop parties to show it to people because <laughs> the way that the honest trailer for the happening goes is they're like, and the antagonist is gently rustling leaves. <laughs> <So they're> like, <laughs> slowly swaying underbrush. There's just all these shots from the movie of leaves just sort of rustling gently like in the light breeze and it's supposed to be menacing and you're like oh my god what is happening it's the happening (laughs) it really takes that classic (laughs) horror thing of like using silence to create tension to like a really weird extreme (laughs) shit rustling Ah, so that's three heavyweights here to kick off our debate. We have Joanna with The Happening, myself with Now You See Me, and Neil with Rise of Skywalker. Surely nobody could beat that, but we do need to have a fourth. So we have each picked an email from one of our fantastic listeners that is putting up another movie. We're going to narrow those three picks down to one. While we're on Twist Daddy... I think his next movie should be called Twist Daddy, but that's not what I was going to say. <laughs> I have picked our listener, Charlotte, 
who wrote in to say, I'd like to nominate for Worst Movie Twist Mr. M. Night Shyamalan himself with The Village. I'll preface by saying I have a love-slash-hate relationship with this reveal, and here's why. I can appreciate that Shyamalan played me by making me think I was watching a period-piece horror movie. I accepted that the characters couldn't leave the village or go into the woods because there were creatures there that were a danger to them. So to learn that the, quote, monsters, unquote, were not real, but tales used by the elders to frighten their children from trying to leave was interesting. I didn't mind that. The bad twist was that this isn't a period piece story, but set in the modern day, and the village elders are really just extreme helicopter parents. They're a group of wealthy people traumatized in the past by losing someone they love to violent crime, so they fenced off a large swath of land and built a village in the middle of the woods. There they started families and raised their children in the idea of a, quote, perfect world, unquote, one free of greed, violence, jealousy, etc., They even go to the lengths of having speakers play monster sounds from the trees and dressing up in costumes to walk in the woods and scare the younger generations into complying. Of course, this is all for naught as you can't stop human nature from its own worst impulses. Or perhaps it's not for naught and the heroine Ivy will keep this secret going forward. Assuming she was able to save her love by bringing him a bottle of medicine that would somehow save him from a stab wound to the abdomen? No one knows, and I doubt any viewer still cared by the end. It's a dumb twist that makes less and less sense the more you think about it. That's The Village, my suggestion for worst movie twist. Charlotte, that's a great summation. Yeah. The Village is, again, I kind of like The Village. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Mostly because I think Bryce Dallas Howard is really, really good in it. I think Joaquin Phoenix is really, really good in it. And there's like some shots that are absolutely gorgeous and beautiful. And there's a lot of like really cool tense horror stuff that happens towards the beginning of the movie. The reveal is dumb. Everything that's happening, Adrian Brody's performance is like downright fucking offensive. Yeah. So like, <laughs> there's a lot of bad in this movie that I, I still actually like and occasionally watch like YouTube clips from uh, The Village. What a what a time to be alive. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it's a weird one. I it's I do think even though the the all those things you said, Joanna, I do also think are good. It is really invalidating. Uh, it's it's unlike something like the Sixth Sense that we were talking about. And watching the village isn't like, oh, I want to watch the village again. No. It's like <laughs> no, no, it's it's costumes in the modern world. Uh, so I don't think that's as additive as it could have been. Uh, which is why I picked it. Thanks, Charlotte, for writing in. Yeah, I, I mean. This one's tough because I feel like I'm the opposite of Charlotte, who emailed this wonderful email, where the more I think about the village, the more I kind of like the twist, (laughs) (laughs) mostly because it does seem like M. Night Shyamalan as a storyteller went, oh, you thought that one was bad? Let me give you like five more that you're going to hate way more. (laughs) You're going to love the village by the time I'm done with you. And uh, it's working. (laughs) That's, that's, I'm going to I'm gonna Stockholm Syndrome you so bad. Right. Because then he did Lady in the Water, The Happening, The Last Airbender, and After Earth. By the time I'm done with you, you'll be calling me Twist Daddy. <laughs> you got to respect that kind There's of just like the creature, The creature design, which, spoiler, is just Adrian Brody in a porcupine cloak, um, is so good. The way it creeps into frame, the color, the use of colors, like the pop of red on the cloak. Her like mustard yellow cloak, like all the stuff to have this like blind heroine, like all of it is is good. And honestly, Bryce is re- like the, all of my goodwill in the world for Bryce comes from this movie. I think she's so good in it. Um, but yeah, some choices were made. Speaking of choices that were made, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I come to you now to 
pick a movie that I almost picked as my choice. But our listener, Aaron, wrote such a compelling email about it that I'm giving it to her, which is, we. Uh, I'm writing in, Aaron writes, I'm writing in to submit the Robert Pattinson movie, Remember Me, for Worst Twist in a Movie. Even if this insane film hadn't been mentioned on the pod a couple weeks ago, it still would have been the first film that came to my mind for the category of Worst Twist. I have such a clear memory of getting together with my three best friends to watch this movie. We had loved our Pats in the Twilight movies and wanted to see him in this We were seniors in high school and just wanted a fun time. Though I remember nothing of the plot, it seemed like a perfectly fine movie until the moment near the end when we see the camera zoom out from a close-up on Patton's character to discover that he's standing in the World Trade Center on (laughs) 9-11. My friends and I all screamed, what the fuck was 9-11 doing in our stupid Arpats romance film in the year 2010? This twist is so egregious, it obliterated all of the memories of the movie, including the title. I had to Google Robert Pattinson 9-11 movie to remember the title for this email. <laughs> Love the pod and thanks for your consideration. <laughs> so, so here's the thing about Remember Me. Um, a, a film co-starring uh, not only Robert Pattinson, but uh, Lost Star herself, Emily DeRaven. Claire, mm-hmm. Claire's Claire. in this movie. Um, it, Claire's dad's a cop. Oh, also, uh, Meghan Markle's in this movie. Just <laughs> my eye. Um, Sorry, the Duchess. Uh, the Duchess. Well, no, Duchess. Is... I think they've renounced their time. Anyway. Oh, sure. Former the Duchess. Former Duchess. Or, yeah, former Duchess Meghan Markle's in this movie. Um, here's the deal with twists, as we've just discussing over and over again. Sometimes a twist, like retroactively, like, sort of ruins a movie in the way that, like, Dave is talking about with the village, where you're like, ah, that's ah, irritating, or like, just makes the basic core premise of the movie fuck they're running from plants are you killing me like what's happening (laughs) it's frustrating but this is such on a genuine level of what the fuck is this doing here because it does nothing to inform it's just a romantic melodrama film and then at the end we just threw 9-11 into there for Absolutely no reason. There could have been a ton of stuff. You could have had like a meet Joe Black, uh, like he gets hit by a car. And I would have been like, yeah, okay. That's at the tone of the rest of the movie. It's a sad movie that with like Joanna saying lots of melodrama, like a weird dating plot that obviously works out to them actually falling in love. But to be like, yes, as Aaron writes in the year 2010 to be like, and the (laughs) twist is 9-11. I was like, Man, we are not even 10 years off from that actually being like the twist in everyone's life. Like this is this is so out of left field. Uh yeah. Oh man. Making your twist 9-11. So bold. No other movie has tried it since. <laughs> <laughs> I just would love that if like there were other movies where it's like, and then we zoom back and he's standing on the deck of the Titanic or like yeah. <laughs> Like, this is like a premise of like an episode of Quantum Leap where like, you know, Sam Beckett has to come back and stop you from going in to the Twin Towers that day or something like that. It's not the end of a romantic melodrama movie co-starring Pierce Brosnan and Chris Cooper. Like, what are you doing? Oh, my God. Just just horrifying. I, what? It, listen, Robert Pattinson has had one of the most fascinating post something big careers ever <laughs> since breaking out in Twilight. Uh, and this one, we should have known that it was only going to get weirder from there. Well, how do I beat that one? How do I beat random 9-11 ending? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if I can, but I have chosen a pick from Megan 
uh, our listener. It's very simple email. This one resonates very deeply with me because this is a movie that came out in 1994. So I was like 11. And it was a movie that apparently my family thought was totally okay to show to me and all my also very young cousins. Uh, Megan writes, it's Ace Ventura. Yeesh. Fuck transphobia and fuck this twist. And I would say this is one that that I have, I feel like I have personal evidence from my life in ways that this was actively harmful, right? Like this twist, the twist we were talking, of course, is Ace Ventura goes to investigate a murder uh, at the, in the Miami Dolphins organization. That's why fucking Dan Marino is in this thing. <laughs> uh, and eventually he learns that the lieutenant he's working with, played by Sean Young, is actually secretly the place kicker for the Dolphins. Uh, Lois Einhorn is Ray Finkel. Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. And it ends with Ace Ventura. Uh, it's it's not even that it's that. It like goes the next step further, which is like the way they find out is they like force this person to undress to like prove that they are uh, who they are. And because they have not had a thorough enough plastic surgery regimen, this is bad. It's it's extremely transphobic. It put terrible ideas into I, and like jokes that I didn't understand when I was a kid when I saw Ace Ventura. And I'm I feel like that's probably true for a lot of people. Is like they saw this and it was like the height of Jim Carrey and him being silly. And there's a lot of like dumb... well, it's like the song from the crying game. So it's like signaling something to people who have watched that and experienced that and like but me as a 10-year-old, no no idea what's happening. Sure, yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things where, like, I probably went a couple of years of my life in, like, middle school and high school before I fully under- started to fully understand that, like, what it means to struggle with your identity and that this is a real thing and that real humans have and it does not it does not make them uh, worthy of the butt end of this joke. I mean, the whole movie is wrapped around this transphobic joke. So, uh yeah, all-time terrible. This one, I mean, like, this is one that rises to the level of, like, the twist and sort of the way the twist seeped into so many people and 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 sort of created these, like, just terrible behaviors uh, is really, really bad. <laughs> like, Yeah, if like, this, this is, like, if you were just... Just to switch the transphobia for anything else, I think it would have been still. I think it would have been very obviously wrong. Uh, they just they just picked like an easy punching bag. This is early '90s. This is uh, you know gay, gay panic television. Every show, um, so it was definitely of the time. But this would win if we were talking about worst as in movie twist that caused actual damage to my psyche uh being a young child and then having to yeah yeah and then having to be exposed to this before i was exposed to any of the issues he was dealing with would in what what is otherwise a physical funny face comedy from jim carrey which he's doing great stuff uh for it to have to turn on this and then as we were commiserating about before the podcast uh uh went up why why do Joanna and I know that the laces need to be out for a place kicker? <laughs> That's also additional knowledge I didn't need. Why, uh, why does Joanna, who knows nothing about sports, know Dan Marino's name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> so there you have it. Ace Ventura, uh, 
It's a Scooby-Doo ending with a huge side of transphobia. <laughs> there you are. Uh, all right. Time to narrow it down. I'm going to say, although Ace Ventura is really bad, but like actually bad, it's not fun enough that I want to include that. I think sure. we should highlight it and tell That's people. Maybe not the discourse <laughs> we want to have coming exactly. off of the podcast. However, I think, I think putting a Star Wars in there is spicy enough. Yeah. <laughs> However, the balls of making a whole movie that could stand on its own and at the end being like, eh, it's been 9-11. I think that has to win. I think it's the, the mumbling of, oh, by the way, he tied on 9-11. Yada, 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 9-11. <laughs> yep. Completely different romance plot, and then 9-11 happens. So, Neil, unless you uh, want to debate me on it, I think we have to give it to Remember Me. <laughs> yeah, Remember Me, it's so, it's such a left turn that it, <laughs> there will, I don't know if there will ever be another twist quite like it that just comes out of a, like, you know, like, we're talking about Rise of Skywalker, like, that's one that I saw coming and then was mad when it happened, but no one could have predicted that that movie before before anyone had seen it there's no way you would have predicted that it ends with a 9/11 gag <laughs> i'm pretty mad like i i kind of i really hate the twilight franchise and but i love robert pattinson now but i wish i wish that i hadn't been like so down on twilight like i wish i had been in the theater with all the the mm-hmm. twilight on kids on opening weekend on opening one. weekend of remember me and whatever <laughs> like i wish i had heard the whole theater go what <laughs> yeah yeah, it I, I it it <laughs> elevates to being one of the great, most memorable twists just immediately. I mean, and like with much love and respect to Charlotte's Pick of the Village, which is like a she makes a good point. I think having one twist daddy entry in here, and I'm taking yeah. plants, and taking I've plants taken over plants. Cherry Jones and William Hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I feel like we got the right one from Twist Daddy. The village, sure. Plenty of people don't like the village, but the happening was where a lot of people were like, is there something wrong with this guy? What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> well, also, just like Zoe Dashnell and Mark Wahlberg are not uh, Adrian Brody, Joaquin Phoenix, and sure, just Dallas sure. Howard. Man, all the reasons why I've been mad at Mark Wahlberg in my life are bad twist related. <laughs> oh, and hate crimes. Yeah, bad. also oh, hate crimes. Okay. Uh, at least he wasn't in Ace Ventura. Uh, he was uh, too busy being Marky Mark. All right. <laughs> uh, the final poll for this week includes some great ones. I have Now You See Me. Joanna is picking The Happening. Neil has The Rise of Skywalker. And our listener, Aaron, has pulled Remember Me out of our memories because Coco luckily overwrote that for me. But not anymore. It's back. It's 9-11 based. Whew. Uh, you can find our poll for the worst movie twist on TheRinger.com, at Ringer on Twitter, and in the Spotify app where you find Trial by Content. You choose the winner, and we will announce it next week. Next week also, we have a big change coming in the format of the podcast. Neil, tell about the Trial Royale. Well, yeah, next week we, we begin our first ever Trial Royale. This is going to be uh, an eight-film Battle Royale to see who, which movie is the best zombie movie ever. So what we need you to do, this is the important part, is between now and the 31st, which is rapidly approaching, send your pick for the best zombie movie ever and some 
some sentences as to why to trialbycontent at gmail.com. We're going to be reading those. We're, even if you don't make the bracket, we may read some of your very fun emails for the, the ones that are dismissed. We have multiple weeks to talk about zombie films. And uh, I, for one, am excited. I love watching zombie movies. So it's going to be great. I'm excited. There's a couple classics I've never seen that I'm really excited to watch. Hell yeah. Yeah, and probably none of them will be uh, mushrooms, which is good, because I can only take so much. <laughs> Before we go, can I just like offer my formal apology to our wonderful producer, Carlos Shiravoga, who apparently is a Dol- Miami Dolphins fan? Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, oh, okay. Carlos. I mean, listen, a crime was perpetrated against your Miami Dolphins with that movie as well. So you That's have, true. They took the Dolphins. <laughs> Because it was better at kicking field goals uh, than the villain. It's uh, sure, and you know what? People should remember Dan Marino for throwing a lot for a lot of yards in his career, not for one transphobic joke from Jim Carrey. That's right. Uh, the Ace Ventura franchise. Uh, I'm glad they got Jim Carrey where he was. None of those movies are revisitable right now. So you know, <laughs> it, it comes and it goes. Um, uh, yeah, please vote so we know which is the worst movie twist. Uh, And we will talk to you next week about zombies. This episode is produced by Carlos Cherubo. Sorry, Carlos. Go Dolphins. Dolphins.